Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. When you opened your bulletins today, you might have noticed that this is a golden handout in your bulletins. And I know what some of you are thinking. He had way too many pain meds in the ER last week. But believe me, I wish that was true. No, the actual genesis of this idea came out of our Wednesday Lenten series. One of the things I found out about Lent when I was doing a little bit of research about the season of the church year was that Lent is a season where we work on our spiritual practices of our faith, such as fasting, prayer, and Bible study. In addition, I saw more than one reference to Lent being a discipline. It is more than just a season of the church where we change the pyramids. To what color? Purple, there we go. So I was wondering how we could change worship a little to help remind us of this focus on spiritual practice. And this is where I fill on using these message notes. Now, you don't have to fill them out, and I won't be collecting them at the end of service. Instead, use them as a resource. And if anything, it's a good drawing space on the back to doodle during the sermon. So I'm going to trial them for the rest of the Sundays in Lent. And if you like them, let me know. And if you don't like them, let me know. <laughs> so the theme that I would like to focus on the next couple of Lenten Sundays is also on your message notes. It's getting through what you are getting through. I think everybody is going through something in today's life. Maybe it's a stressful home life or a stressful work environment. Maybe it's a failed relationship or maybe it's a health, it's a, it's a health concern. So how do we survive these things and maybe even thrive coming out the other side? I think Lent is one of the best times during the church calendar to look at this because it's a season about self-examination and is a season where we look towards improving our relationship with God. Today we kick off our sermon series looking at our fears. So the first question on your sheet asks you, if you had the courage, what would you do? So I'd invite you during the sermon, write whatever first comes into your mind, because that is the thing that is on your mind. Fear is something that all of us have, though don't we? It's a part of the human condition that has a way of sidetracking us and making us live a life that is not in line with what God has planned for us. So today I'd like to share with you two short Bible stories and see what God has to say about the fear present in these stories and what God is saying about fear in our lives. So if you do have your Bible, we'll be doing this a lot more too, so if you have your Bible, Pull it out, or if you have one on your phone, use that as well, too. In the Pew Bibles, I'd like you to turn to page 44. Um, we, and if you're looking on your phones, we're in the book of Exodus. Uh, look for chapter 3. Now, setting the stage, so I, I'm, not, I'm even going to let you not have to read chapter 2. I'm going to tell you what chapter 2 is. So chapter 2 is this. Setting the stage, the Israelites have become slaves to the Egyptians, this is not a good thing for the people of Israel. So they cry out to God to send them somebody, anybody, to help them throw off this yoke of oppression. And as we hear, Moses is born. He is billed to be the great leader that God is going to use to free God's people. 
I mean, he's got a story where he gets plucked out of the stream by a woman. I mean, you don't see this stuff except in movies, right? So we know he's special. Now, a little later in life, Moses is walking down the street when he sees an Egyptian really wailing on a Hebrew person, one of his people. Well, Moses can't stand this, so he kills the Egyptian and hides the body. The next day, however, he finds two, Egypt, or two Hebrews having an argument, and he asks them to stop it. And then one of them says, now are you going to kill me, like the Egyptian that you killed and buried? Well, hearing this, Moses just freaked out, and he ran to the land of Midian, which is like 150 to 200, 200 miles away. He was done with the Israelites. He had had enough. He wasn't going to put up with these people anymore. So what did Moses do? He took up sheep farming and told himself he would never, ever go back to that place again. And he stayed in Midian for 40 years, or 14,600 days. Boy, what a leader, wasn't he? Now the people of Israel during these times were still crying out to be saved from slavery. So God decided to take action on day 14,601, which is where our text begins today, which jumps off into, into the, the third chapter of Genesis, or Exodus, sorry. So God calls Moses out of the burning bush and asks him to be the leader that the people of Israel need to free them from slavery. And Moses, so awestruck by this burning bush, says, You bet, God! No, he doesn't. If we look in verse 11 of chapter 3 in Exodus, what does it say? It says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, haven't you thought that before? How many times has an opportunity come along in your life and your first response is, I can't do that? I can't change my career. I can't move my family to this place. I can't share my faith with others. And all that comes from a place of fear, doesn't it? A fear of the unknown. We don't know what we're doing, and we all have all seen how badly things go when people don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's what YouTube videos are for, or America's Funniest Home videos are for, right? People don't know what they're doing, they, they make a mess of things. However, what does God say into this fear of the unknown? If we look at verse 12, and God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Now, even with this awesome answer, Moses still pushes back, asking God, well, God, if I would do this, what name should I drop when I talk to the Israelites? And God's reply is a very simple reply. I am. Meaning that God is here now. Meaning that God isn't only in the past. God isn't only behind us or even in front of us. Meaning that God is only somewhere in the future. But God is here with us right now in the midst of our problems. I am. 
Now we're going to do, make you do some mental or some biblical gymnastics here. I'm going to have you turn ahead to our text from the gospel text today. So the gospel of John chapter 18. So as you're doing this, I'll, I'll sort of talk a little bit more about that. So just take your time. Again, this is in the New Testament, the last of the four gospels. The phrase, I am, is found a lot in the gospel of John. Jesus says, I am the gate in verse John 10, 9. I am the good shepherd in verse John 10, 14. It's a word arrangement that allows the reader to connect to the Exodus text where we were just in with the gospel lesson for today. It also reminds us to the relationship that God and Jesus have with one another. Now many, many years have passed between our story in Exodus and our text from the Gospel of John. However, one thing that hasn't changed, though, is fear. Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, you know, I think I know a church with that name. So where I'm looking at is on page 881 now. So again, we're in John chapter 18. So Jesus is brought to the Pharisees. Peter, you know the guy who Jesus said would be the rock that Jesus would build his church on, follows into the courtyard where he stands and waits to see what happens to Jesus. At this point, Jesus is on trial for his beliefs, and believe it or not, Peter is also on trial for his beliefs as well. The people questioning Jesus are the bigwigs of Jewish society, the Pharisees and the high priest. And how does Jesus answer them? If we look at verse 20 of chapter 18, it says, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Jesus is very honest and straightforward with his talk to the people who really have his life in, his, in their hands. But let's contrast that with Peter. I mean, who are the people that are questioning Peter? They are slaves. People whose testimonies can't be used to charge anybody with anything. So when the female slave asked Peter in verse 17, you're not also one of these men's disciples, are you? And Peter replied, I am not. It seems like a pretty popular response this morning, doesn't it? Though I think it might be being a little unfair when I saddle these two with the only one saying, I am not. In fact, there are many times in our lives where I think we all wear a name tag which says, hello, my name is, I am not. We act this way because of our fears. You might ask yourself, what fear does Peter have? I mean, he's a student of Jesus. I would caution you to remember that this event happened before the crucifixion, though. And I really wonder if Peter was afraid of death. So we all have fear that sometimes takes us over and makes doing things impossible, don't we? How many times have you thought of doing something outside of the box and have been shut down by that inner critic in your, in your mind that says, you can't do that? How many times have your dreams just stayed dreams because you were too afraid to act on them? We have all bought into this name tag, huh? I am not. However, who is God? What does God and Jesus say that they are? I am. Do you believe this? Do I believe this? 
Do we really believe it to be true? Because if we believe this to be true, it has a colossal impact on our lives. There's a huge implication on how we live our lives, and it makes it, makes it clear what Christ said when he said he has come to help us live and to live abundantly. When we start seeing the I am God as that, we don't have to worry about our I am not. We don't focus on our weakness, but on God's strength. We don't focus on our shortcomings or scarcities, but instead we focus on God's sufficiency. When God wants us to do something, God and Jesus are going to be right there in the midst of it. They are the ones who are going to give us the strength. They are the ones who are going to give us the fortitude, and they are the ones who are going to give us the the strength and willpower to do it. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of fear, knowing that the I am God is with you. Let me say that again. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of fear, knowing that the I am God is with you. What can you do today, knowing that God is calling you to act? What are those dreams you've always thought were a farce? Is it something more concrete, like ending a relationship that is toxic for you and your family? Is it saying yes to getting some help around a problem you or your family are having? How is your life different as a believer and follower of Christ today than it would have been and if you would never have stepped foot into a church at all. We believe that God and Jesus are with us. So why do we live our lives with so much fear? Why do we, not, why do we let our I am rule who we are? So I ask you this week to listen to God and see what you are being called to do. Also this week, I ask, ask yourself, what does it mean for you to trust in the I am God? It can be scary. Remember, though, that when Moses listened, God used him to help bring people out of bondage. When Peter learned not to worry about death, he became one of the most influential leaders of the early church that helped spread Christianity to all corners of this world. This is the life that God has called us to live, an abundant life, and one strengthened by the I am God. Remember this, embrace this, and yes, live this each and every day. Amen.